0: Ladies and gentlemen, in a former episode, I introduced no other than Jessica Schmeiss and her research on demystifying AI. We spoke about Germany doing pretty well when it comes to research, but actual world-conquering startups are still a bridge too far. Today's episode is a conversation between Jessica and Uli Erksleben, the CEO of Hypatos. They speak about deep learning automation technology for document processing a technology that allows to extract, validate and process documents such as invoices and payslips. Jessica, please take it away.
1: To start us off, maybe, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what your background is and what actually Hypatos is and what you guys do every day?
2: Yeah, of course. So I'm, I'm Uli, a co-founder of Hypatos and also um, a couple of other companies. I'm a serial entrepreneur.
1: Wow. (laughs) Um,
2: So my background is in business administration. I'm I'm actually here from Berlin, Um, born and raised in Potsdam, actually.
1: Wow, probably one of the few entrepreneurs here in Berlin who are actually Berliners, right? Yeah, very
2: true. Um, Yeah, and and, uh, I studied business administration in Switzerland, uh, University of St. Gallen, uh, did a master's degree in finance and a PhD in finance, and then I joined um, McKinsey, I worked as a consultant first year in Berlin, and then I actually managed to transfer over to the Silicon Valley office of McKinsey, oh, working wow. with high-tech companies, helping them to optimize their processes. Um, did that almost six years, almost six years, and then I joined Rocket Internet, the big startup incubation business, um, and I was responsible for the U.S. operations. Um, very interesting time in 2011, early days of Rocket Internet, and did a lot of e-commerce, operational e-commerce work, fundraising, HR. And uh, then I joined uh, sat1 Germany's big private TV network, and I helped them to set up their early stage VC operations and incubation business here in Berlin. And um, did that for almost two years, and then I changed sites and started a technology company called SMEC at the time. And what SMEC does, did and does, is we automate financial tasks, bookkeeping tasks, for small and medium-sized companies. At least this is how we started. And then we transitioned more and more into mid-market and enterprise customer situations, focusing on accounts payable, incoming invoices, and how to automate the processing of, of those invoices. And um, this is how sort of my AI career sort of started, because... When did
1: that start? When did you found SMAC?
2: um, That was early 2015. Okay. And uh, we started with different automation technologies. I think technologies you would today also broadly refer as AI... Um, But we then, in 2016, switched to neural networks as our sort of core automation technology, and I'm going to talk about this a bit later. Um, And here's how we used it, because sort of the biggest task... In finance departments, when it comes to doing sort of the everyday bookkeeping tasks is that you need to process a lot of documents, invoices, semi-structured documents. And there's a bunch of activities, tasks you need to perform. And one is you have to understand and capture all the data from those invoices. And then you have to enrich the captured data with general lecture accounts, cost centers, profit centers, what have you. So this is basically what a bookkeeper does. And we use artificial intelligence, neural networks, deep learning technologies to automate those tasks as good as we can. And um, I think it started in 2011, mid of 2000... Uh, 2017, not 11, 2017, that we started to use our technology not just for accounts payable invoices, but we also looked in different document types for which our technology is actually a good fit. So we do all types of documents and document-related tasks where semi-structured documents are processed.
1: Can you give some examples of some of the other like yeah, so documents
2: have. that you would work like, I maybe, yeah. So, we do semi structured, and that means that there needs to be a certain degree of structure. So, always the same information organized in a little bit different ways. So, we have models for medical prescriptions, for receipts, invoices, obviously, pay slips, and you get paid, um, uh, CVs would be also something we work on delivery notes currently, purchase orders, um, simpler contracts. Would also be in our domain, but this already moves into what we would call rather unstructured documents, which we wouldn't usually touch.
1: And is that how sort of then Hypatas evolved out of yeah. SMAC, probably?
2: Yeah so, uh, yeah. yeah, so I was sort of leading to this. So um, uh, SMAC does accounts payable automation and workflow applications. And uh, given that the technology works fairly well for, also other use cases, and we started to sell to other software companies and in sort of other situations, solving other problems, it turned out that the technology is much more powerful than just limiting it to the finance department. And um, we decided last year that it would make sense to split this out and explore opportunities beyond the finance department. And it was, was for us qu- quite much more easy to do this with another brand because people knew SMAC and knew that we would be uh, providing automation solutions for finance departments and HyperTOS is sort of much more open, back office automation, semi-structured documents. This is, yeah, this is why we did that in the end.
1: Great. So um, you already led up to my next question as well a little bit. The term artificial intelligence, if you had to describe what does that mean to you? What do you understand if somebody says, oh, you're an AI company? what do you say? Do you say that's true or do you say you do different things? Like, what would you say is artificial intelligence? I think,
2: first of all, this is a very broad term and it's very different ways how it's used and this is also, from a business development and sales perspective, a challenge because everything when it comes to automation is called artificial intelligence. So, when when you ask me very sort of broadly speaking what I would call artificial intelligence, it's technology that automates human tasks. But, if you look at human tasks, there is something that we like to refer to as handwork, right? Very clear, rule-based tasks, where you say hey there is an attachment to an email i take this attachment and i save it into folder x right if then relationships that are not too complex so this would be automation as well but when when i refer to artificial intelligent intelligence i mean tasks cognitive tasks that are not as easily solvable as Simple if then relationships because there is too many of those, because there's too many ways how you could perform or solve sort of certain tasks. And this is where human beings are very strong, right? I mean, they are able to use what they learned, patterns they have learned, and apply them to always new situations. And technology that is not requiring, if then, relationships, but is able to figure them out themselves, define own rules for how things need to be processed based on learned patterns. This is what I would refer to as artificial intelligence in a sort of more impactful way.
1: And how do you see humans then interact with that type of technology?
2: Uh, we have this term that we are always using. It's, it's the human in the loop. It's the human in the loop that you always need, right? Because it's assisted work in the end. Um, If you look at more complex cognitive tasks, uh, technology is not going to deliver a 100% we don't need any experts anymore solutions. It is assisting in a way that it can perform certain tasks, but just with a sort of certain level of certainty. And there needs to be checks, controls... There is things that the system cannot reliably solve, and then the human being needs to be involved. And this is also from a user interaction perspective very important to solve those human-in-the-loop processes because it's assisted work, and you need to make it very easy for humans to interact with those systems and give their input. And you should use these inputs to improve, the algorithms, in the end, but uh, to be effective as a solution, it needs to be very intuitive and easy that humans can interact with what they get provided by those algorithms.
1: I find this quite interesting because I hear a lot that, you know, a lot of people are hesitant to use these types of technologies because jobs may be lost, but this is probably an example of, of new jobs also that did not exist in the past, Right. Mm-hmm. That you actually mm-hmm. need people to to do and help train these models and sort of of course you need do different types of tasks than they would have in the past
2: and experts to train those models, but in the end sort of they make themselves redundant in as far as they train models that would perform the tasks they did before automatically. If you look at uh, back office administrative stuff uh, it 's usually highly trained people. Uh, that in finance departments it's financial accountants Right, financial accountants it's a tough job you have to really have an expert knowledge uh, to to treat certain business events in the right way from a tax perspective and a reporting perspective Um, but they spend a lot of time doing very repetitive tasks that do not require the same cognitive abilities as making decisions on tax treatments like just kept inputting data data entry there's a lot of data entry tasks and this goes away to a larger amount but only where things that are a little bit out of the uh, out of the ordinary edge cases happen where the human in the loop needs to needs to get involved and this frees up a lot of resources to do things that potentially add more value for for companies, like preparing smart reports, um, actually working with data, and making decisions based on data. And those tasks are going to take much longer to automate them if they are going to be automated at all. But just freeing up this potential is, I think, the right way to look at it.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And if we're looking, um, sort of going away a little bit from the technology, looking more at the type of customers you work with, in what industries would they be You described sort of what type of task you would solve for them or what type of problem, right? Automating sort of semi-structured documents and the processes behind it. But um, what type of customers would it be? Like, would it be larger corporations in specific industries? Is it completely cross-industry? Do you work with each customer sort of individually to develop a solution? Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: It depends. Um, if you look at accounts payable automation, it's every company needs to do accounting. So every company has to deal with manual data entry and processing in in the finance department. So this would be for all companies. Obviously, the technology is, if you, from a HyperTOS perspective, would be using it, As a client, you are a software company or a big enterprise that is able to use technology by themselves and integrate them into their existing systems. Um, But if you have something a bit more specific, like payslips, we do payslips for banks to automate their loan application process. So if a private person wants to apply for a loan, they would actually uh, let the bank know how much they earn because this is important to assess if they're able to pay the interest. Um, And then in order to prove how much they actually earn, they would actually send in their last payslip. And being able to get the relevant data out of the payslip, um, use it to approve the... um, the credit application um, this would be a bank specific use case insurance actually offers quite a bit of those cases in claims management if your car breaks and and you have to go to a garage um, you get an invoice as well and assessing if the information on the invoice actually fits the uh, accident or or what have you um, this would be insurance specific Um, so there's a lot of industry specific pain points we can solve But it's fairly cross-industry what we are offering because those back-office tasks uh, tend to appear in in all different companies. It's very sort of generic problems that we are looking at.
1: And if we're taking the two examples that you just mentioned, sort of um, the payslips within banks and then uh, claims management for insurance, in how far is your existing technology solution sort of, how do you say, replicable? in these scenarios? or And how far does it sort of require customization for each individual customer? It's a,
2: it's, a very, it's a very good and relevant question to actually understand our business model or what we are going after. So we like generic use cases because those documents, a payslip is a payslip is a payslip. So having a the ability, the capability to capture all relevant data from a payslip and automatically perform certain checks if it's actually true and to validate it. Um, This is a generic skill. And then there's two ways how you could use this in a more customized way because the way that you use this certain deep learning skill in your process really depends on your process in the end. So there's a lot of customization around how you use certain deep learning skills in your existing processes. And then there's another a crucial aspect to it because we would be giving people pre-trained models or companies pre-trained models um, with a certain corpus of training data that performs a job in already a pretty good accuracy. But in order to make it great, you would actually continuously retrain those models based on the actual Documents and inputs that you generate in your back office. So we offer a standard corpus that can be retrained with an automated machine learning pipeline to become better at certain companies.
1: If you're looking at sort of um, the potential of these technologies that you talked about, uh, what do you, where do you see this going in the future? Like, if everything goes well, where do you see this going in five to ten years? How could this change? How does it change the way business is done? And, What does that mean for for different companies?
2: So, I mean, I, I used to work for McKinsey for many years, so I, I like to think in sort of strategic horizons. Uh, there's sort of a typical McKinsey slide that has always three horizons. So we are focusing on, on building the capturing capabilities and simple validations. This is sort of step one. This is where we are today, quite market-ready already. But then the next stop, uh, step is that we enhance those skills, deep learning skills, and add more complex validations and further processes steps. Um, So to give you a very simple example where this is going. So if our technology is used by capturing data from receipts, cash receipts um, for your expense reports that you have to file in in your big company um, for example one typical expense that you would file is the gas cost of your car. So in order to do this you would actually fill in a list um, with all the kilometers that you were driving for certain sort of business travel. And then you would have the proof that you actually uh, filled up your tank by providing your receipt from your gas station. So to validate this expense for your car, you need to look at what you if the sort of amount from the receipt actually matches what you put in, in the form. And then there are certain rules that you can check if this is actually okay. This is step one, automating sort of the expense process. You can integrate this technology in your app so it makes it all easier, what have you. So now think one step further, further processing. So now there's compliance, um, there's a sort of compliance process. So it's not okay for you as a business traveler to also expense the drinks and snacks that you had at this gas station. So looking into what got invoiced and checking it against um, your company's expense policies would be a further validation validation step. And then there's tax regulation. So you're not allowed to deduct value-added tax for your Coke that you had um, in, in the gas station. So this is quite important, and this is what people do. So there's big teams of people that validate expense reports if they're actually compliant based on a, a number of regulations. And being able to, in a generic way, tell, hey, this is an invoice from a gas station that includes something that is not in the domain of cars, which is not okay to be expensed, and then flag those, and actually have them in sort of um, a specialized problem, treatment, workflow with a human in the loop again, Um, this would be one step ahead, right? So this would be the second horizon, deeper cognitive automation.
1: When is that going to be the second horizon? This is what we're working on right now. This is uh, summer... <laughs> <laughs> okay, summer 19.
2: That's <laughs> yeah, summer 19. Okay. This, is, this is our 2019, to be honest, second half of it, that we developed from sort of capturing skills to sort of further processing and validation skills. We call them deep learning skills, as our own lingo. Um, and then the next horizon would be going even further, that you start to do those special cases that now need to be handled in a way, right? I mean, there is something that is wrong. What does that mean? What do you do now? You would actually reach out to the person. You might do automated checks with the gas station itself and validate what's on the invoice. There's a lot of further processing that goes into uh, generating financial uh, tax reports for the year-end, what have you, right? Auditing. There's a lot of uh, things where you have a lot of different cognitive things that actually belong to one skill, one task one human being that does it and going further and further into automating those cognitive tasks. This is where the future is. And in the end, a lot of those um, workflows can be fully automated and then obviously organizations are going to become much more efficient.
1: Yeah. And um, last question, maybe if you, you talked a lot about what you do, what you say, if you had to describe what your business model is to a three-year-old. And what would you say? How would you explain to a three-year-old kid what it is that you do?
2: Life is, uh, it's an interesting uh, question because I have a three-year-old son. Um, hmm. I would probably say that I am working on technology. Technology is a difficult word, actually. Um, that I'm working on things that help people to work less and spend more time with things that really matter, like spending time with their kids.
1: Ah, very good answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was a conversation between Jessica Schmeis and Uli Erksleben and a case study for the project Demystifying AI. You'll find more on the project on hiig.de. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you learned something today, if you're 20 minutes wiser about the internet, then... Please feel free to leave us a comment or a rating on iTunes. This was Exploring Digital Spheres. Catch you on the flip side.